and through all his wondrous childhood, he would honor and obey, love and watch the gentle mother in whose tender arms he lay. Christian children all should be mild, obedient, good as he. Meek and mild or something more. Surely this morning as we gather here in the run-up to Christmas, we must see that there is something more on offer in the manger. Scott McKnight in his book, The Jesus Seminar, comments, such a Jesus would never have been crucified, would never have drawn the fire that he did, would never have commanded the following he did, and would never have created a movement which still shakes the world. Jesus' teaching in his day and in ours are revolutionary because he exposed a corrupt society. The baby in the manger this morning calls for more. It calls for more than maintaining the status quo. The baby that we celebrate this morning calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm. The baby in the manger is a baby hunted from the moment it is born. Kings and rulers want him dead, yet shepherds and wise men worship. The family flees to exile. Murder of all young boys becomes law. And why? All because this baby. This baby is ushering in something new, something transformative, something world changing. Despite the silence of the baby in the Christmas story, it should be perfectly obvious to anyone who actually reads the Christmas story that the gospel regards the incarnation as a challenge to the existing order. The pregnant Mary anticipates the birth of Jesus with some fiery political theology. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. Yet he has sent the rich away empty. Born among farm laborers, yet worshipped by kings. Christ's birth that we celebrate announces the astonishing reversal of political authority. The local imperial stooge, King Herod, is so threatened by the rumors of the birth that he sends his troops to find the baby and to kill it. Herod, recognizing early on that to say that Jesus is Lord means that Caesar isn't. Christ's birth was not a silent night, but the beginning of a revolution that threatens to undermine the whole basis of Roman power. The Christmas story, if understood properly, asserts that God is not best imagined as a powerful despot, but as a vulnerable and pathetic child in a manger, one who humbles himself. He made himself weak. He made himself one of us. Yet somehow this baby this revolutionary baby that we celebrate has been turned into something that presides over some sort of feel-good bohemia at this time of year. What is so terrifying about the Christmas story 
is that it offers us nothing but the protection of a vulnerable baby. A baby that we need to protect. Now, I know that revolution is probably a kind of cool buzzword at the moment, and the word conjures up a whole variety of images in our brains as well. Uh, I went to where any good student would go to start to try and understand revolution and quickly typed in Wikipedia on my, on my laptop just to see what this whole revolution thing was actually about. Wikipedia informs us that there have been revolutions in America, there have been revolutions in France, Ireland, and Spain, etc. And apparently sociologists call these great revolutions. There are also political revolutions where governments are overthrown or changed. And the ones that are most familiar to us today are probably social revolutions where old ideas are forced out and new ideas are ushered in. For example, industrial revolution, machines taking on jobs that humans used to do, the sexual revolution, the digital revolution, where computers took over everything and information becomes so instantaneous. We go from no computers anywhere to computers in our bedrooms, on our hips, and in our schools in 20 years. So what is a revolution? It's a fundamental change in the way of thinking about or visualizing something, a change in paradigm. Jesus, meek and mild, or something more. Ross McKinley, in a book he wrote called This Beautiful Mess, comments, when Jesus was on earth, he painted a radical vision for his followers. He called it the kingdom of God. His kingdom is a heavenly reality that lands smack bang in the middle of everyday life. Even here, Jesus said, in the harshness and in the mess of earth, his kingdom is the way things really are. His announcement was nothing less than revolutionary. His followers weren't quick to pick up on the revolution. They longed for another world, a world without oppressors, injustice, beggars, or masses. And for three years, Jesus walked among people overcome with longing to spread the good news of his kingdom. And he said that his kingdom was already happening. From the moment of his birth, that kingdom has been ushered in. The kingdom was already happening around him. Jesus this morning invites us to live out the historical reality of his kingdom in our post-everything culture. But we have to face the hard truth McKinley comments, most, of fo most followers of Jesus have grown accustomed to a spirituality that doesn't remotely resemble a revolution. The baby we celebrate the birth of this morning was a radical departure, a shift in emphasis, a call to a different way of living. Not just a baby to coo over, but a baby that totally changes things. This week I was reading a bit of Giles Frazier. Um, what's the book called? can't remember the title of the book now. What did I tell you it was called? No idea. Giles Frazier made this comment anyway. Christmas 
and Easter. We have turned Jesus either into someone who is too young or is too much in agony to shock us with his revolutionary rhetoric. And that rhetoric is found in Matthew 5, which Joanna read to us. To understand the American Revolution, you start with the Declaration of Independence because it's the Revolution's manifesto. It tells you exactly what the Revolution is all about. And in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount. And if you want to understand the Kingdom Revolution, if you want to understand what this baby this morning is all about, you need to read the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Kingdom Manifesto. It tells you what this Jesus Revolution is all about. There's no doubt that what we read this morning is King Jesus's inaugural address. And in it, he's explaining what he expects from members of his kingdom. Did you notice in verse 1, how Jesus goes up into the mountain to teach. This wouldn't have been missed by his earlier followers because they would remember that in the Old Testament, to receive the law, Moses went up a mountain, received the law from God, and brought it back down to the people. But Jesus is replacing the old with the new. And in our reading in Matthew 5, he uses one word over and over and over again. Blessed, blessed, blessed. In the society of the day, the the Greeks felt that to be blessed, you either had to be a god, dead, or filthy rich. But here Jesus is saying that the kingdom that was born in the manger is different. Jesus is saying that people in his kingdom are also blessed. But who are they? Well, they aren't gods, they aren't the dead, and they aren't the filthy rich. The blessed ones are the humble, the sad, the weak, the poor, the peacemakers. Those are the ones who are blessed in this kingdom revolution. This was a radical departure from what people of the day were used to. And you can tell right from the start of Jesus' message that things in this baby's revolution are different. You could almost argue upside down. In today's culture, as well as in Jesus's culture, the people who had made it were the winners, the wealthy, the clever, the victors, the well-respected. This seems to be right side up to us, doesn't it? Yet we gather here this morning and we worship a God born as one of us, humbling himself and coming into our very life experience. Jesus wants us to see things upside down. He says the poor and the humble and the persecuted are the ones who have made it. Jesus sets the stage for this radical kingdom by turning normal perceptions and standard common sense upside down. So let's journey our way through our reading this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus calls the man or the woman who crouches down and hides his or her face and holds out his or her hand blessed. And he says that they are blessed because they receive the kingdom of heaven. 
The kingdom is received by those who crouch down and hold out their hand. This is the first beatitude because it's the foundation for everything Jesus teaches us in the revolution. The baby in the manger this morning calls for more, more than maintaining the status quo. The baby in the manger this morning calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm. Blessed, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The baby, the baby in the manger calls for more than maintaining the status quo. The baby that we worship this morning calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm. Blessed, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness or gentle spirit, but it's certainly not weakness. Jesus makes that clear. In our world, we see the powerful as the ones who will take over the land by their strength. But Jesus says, this is not so. Meekness, gentleness, humility, modesty. And if we pause for a moment and ask ourselves, well, what if Jesus really meant what he said? We have to ask ourselves, are we seeking power and prestige? Do we seek honor from people? Do we seek revenge on our enemies? Are we quick to spread and defend our position? Even when Jesus is standing before his crucifixion, he refuses to speak. Do we seek to serve others or do we seek to be served? Sorry, do we seek to serve to be served? The baby in the manger this morning calls for more than maintaining the status quo. The baby in this manger calls for a radical turning upside down of accepted societal norm. Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Hunger, thirst, our deepest cravings. When Jesus comes onto the scene, righteousness now becomes about relationships. The Pharisees, of course, considered themselves to be very righteous because they followed all the right rules, they said all the right prayers, and they even washed their hands in the right way. But Jesus says a little later on in the Sermon on the Mount that our righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Our righteousness is more than just following rules. Our righteousness comes from relationship. The baby, the baby in the manger calls for more than maintaining the status quo. The baby in the manger that we worship this morning calls for a radical turning upside down of accepted norm. Blessed, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is compassion, but it's more than that. Mercy is undeserved compassion and kindness. Mercy is freely given and received by those who don't deserve it. Isn't that what Christmas is really all about? The baby who comes to give us mercy. You see, we are to give mercy because we have received mercy. And according to this beatitude, we will receive mercy because we give it. It's part of a circle. 
The baby this morning calls for more than maintaining the status quo. The baby in this manger calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm. Blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In the Jewish culture, the heart was thought to be the center, the center uh, of emotions, thoughts, motivations, courage, and actions. Jesus is calling his citizens of his kingdom to care about their hearts as well. Pharisees focused on the external. Jesus interested only in the internal. The baby, the baby in the manger calls for more more than maintaining the status quo. The baby calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm. Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. As we look to our streets these past two weeks, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus has brought us peace. Peace is active, not passive. It requires action and it requires sacrifice. The baby in the manger calls for more, more than maintaining the status quo. The baby in this manger calls for a radical turning upside down this Christmas of the accepted norm. Blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't get any more upside down than this. Jesus states that the person who is persecuted for the sake of righteousness is blessed. Blessed are you. Blessed are you when your life is so upside down that people persecute you. The baby in the manger calls. The baby calls for more than maintaining the status quo. The baby calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm. Blessed. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. Living this life of revolution that the baby ushers in is offensive. You will be assaulted, abused, scorned, persecuted, bad-mouthed. But yet in the midst of it, Jesus calls for us to rejoice and be glad. Because the same people who do it to us did it to the prophets before us. The baby in the manger calls for more than maintaining the status quo. The baby in the manger calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm. This morning, would we rather have a ceramic Jesus in a nice nativity scene, which is lovely, clean, pristine, and stand and just gaze at it? Or in the strap line of Nativity 2, do we want to see that really to celebrate this birth fully means that we have to see that there is danger in the manger? 
Do we want a posh and Beck's nativity scene? A much lauded celebrity? A Christ to be gazed at and adored, but not to be heard or heeded? The baby in the manger this morning calls for a radical turning upside down of the accepted norm rather than maintaining the status quo. This is the baby we celebrate this Christmas. God born among us. God born among us to give us peace. God born among us to change our lives. God born among us ushering in his revolutionary kingdom. Jesus, the baby in the manger. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this Christmas we just pray that you would help us to look at that story that we have shared together of your birth with fresh eyes. That the familiar would become somehow unfamiliar and that we would see something new of you in the days that remain to Christmas morning. Lord, we pray that you would just enlighten our hearts, that you would speak to us in new and fresh ways, and that you would challenge us, challenge us to see what it means to live out the reality of the kingdom that was ushered in at the birth of your Son on earth, and the impact that that has on everyday life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.